Well, come on. Good morning, Go Church family. You feel good today? Come on, if you love Jesus, you feel good. Can you put your hands together? Let's give Jesus the best praise we've got. Come on for about 10 seconds here. Come on. Anybody thankful? There we go. Well, you look good today. I know you've been greeted a few times already, but I want to take a moment and just say good morning and hello to everybody in this room. Uh, most of you know this, but you're sitting at our South Metro Atlanta campus. This is our broadcast campus. And you've got a big job in this room today because you helped to create an incredible gathering experience for those that are watching online today. So we greet everybody online. And then, of course, we greet all of you in Germantown, Maryland, at our campus there. So for those of you in this room, will you do me a favor? Put your hands together. Welcome everybody online and everybody in Germantown. Come on a little bit louder so they can hear you from the south. Come on now. Love it. And then as you know that uh, we had a tradition here before we jump into the message where we give honor to the brave men and women that serve as first responders and those that are serving in the military. I want to pause here for just a moment because this week we're going to, as a nation, honor and recognize the veterans that have served. And I also always like to include those who are serving. And so I'd like to do something a little bit different. I'm going to give you some instructions on how we can do this. But if you have served previously, or if you're currently serving in any branch of the military at either, at either campus, either location, I want you to remain uh, sitting or seated for a few moments here. And then I want to invite everybody else, if you're physically able, in just a moment here, would you stand and let's give a standing ovation to those military men and women that have served and are currently serving. Come on, can we do that now? Come on. Thank you. Come on, real loud, wholeheartedly. Thank you. If you see a veteran near you, tell them, say, thank you, thank you. Come on, church family, a little bit more. Thank you, thank you. Love it. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, we have the benefit of this beautiful country because of those that serve uh, with great sacrifice. And so we honor you and celebrate you. Really, we should do it every single day. So thank you. Uh, one more bit of excitement, and uh, here in Atlanta, this whole town has been going crazy for a few days now because, ladies and gentlemen, God did it. Come on, somebody. God did it. Only God can do it. Chop on, baby. Let's go. Come on, chop on the Atlanta Braves, the World Series champions. Uh, I don't know if, if whatever curse on Atlanta sports team or Georgia sports team has been broken, but... I just like to say, go Braves, and next up, go Dogs. Come on. So uh, we'll see about that. But I think that the reason I want to highlight this is because it really is such a tremendous benefit uh, for our community, for our state. And uh, really, it's been 26 years since the Braves have won a World Series. And I love to see all the parades. I love the fact that uh, my son got to stay up late. Why do they make those baseball games so late? Come on. But anyway... Got to stay up late and watch, and just our whole town is excited right now, and I think that does so much good. People all around the country have had a really tough year, a tough 18 months with the pandemic, and sports has a unique way of bringing us all together, even in a competitive way. And so this has been such a great series, and I'm just so proud to be able to pastor a church that's not only located in the greater Washington, D.C. area, but right here in the state of Georgia, and so God bless all of you, and God bless them braves. Come on, somebody. All right, so there we go. All right, and then one more here, We're gonna, and then I'm going to pray for you. Today we begin a new series called Legacy. It's an annual series that we do here. I'm going to unpack all of the purpose of this series here in just a moment, uh, but I, I need prayer. I believe you need prayer, and before we dive into the Word today, and I hope you got your Bible Maybe you brought a physical Bible, you got your smartphone that you can access, the YouVersion app or the My Go Church app to access the Bible. Got a lot of scripture today. But I want to pray for you before we jump into this message. And then I ask that you pray for me. So if you would just be so kind, I'm going to stretch my hand in your direction. Will you stretch your hands my way? I pray for you, you pray for me, and we'll believe that God will meet us here. Father, I thank you for the opportunity today to stand on this platform, hold this microphone and preach words that will never return void, your word. And I'm asking today uh, in, this, in this gathering that there would be just a revelation from you that would come straight to our hearts, that we would leave here more equipped, more empowered, with greater joy and greater hope. 
that you would show us something or reveal to us something that maybe we didn't know before, and that we would all have this understanding about the impact of the life that we live, and that what we do today will matter tomorrow and for generations to come. So open up our hearts, our minds, and our ears. Anoint me today. Use me for your glory and for your honor. And everybody said amen and amen. We've clapped for a lot of people, but now let's give Jesus Christ the greatest, highest praise. Come on. There we go. All right, if you're at a uh, physical campus, there's a sermon note card in the seat back pocket near you. Or if you're in that movie theater in Germantown, there's a sermon note card in the cup holder. I want to invite you to take that out. I want you to take some notes today. Uh, this is one of my favorite series that we do at Go Church. And, you know, we say this is our favorite series every time we kick off a series. But this one really is our favorite series here. And I'm going to give you, as we unpack this thought about legacy and and how we live our lives today, how it impacts tomorrow and, and the next day and the next day and for generations. I'm going to give you a, kind of a theme verse for today and potentially a theme verse for this particular series. Let's go to the Old Testament in Psalm 112. Psalm 112. We're going to look at two verses of scripture there together. We'll pick up in verse number five and then in verse number six. And I want you to see this. Again, let's, let's overlap this whole conversation today with the idea of legacy, a legacy life, okay? And let's look at this verse found in Psalm 112. Watch this. There's a few highlighted words here that are critical to our discussion. Verse number five starts off with this. Good will come to him who is, somebody say generous. And good will come to him who lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Justice would mean character or integrity or with discretion. And then I want you to see verse number six here, and I'll show you the second half of verse six in just a moment. Verse six says, surely he or she, surely they will never be shaken. Now that got me this week because I thought, is there really a formula that we can adopt or understand that will keep us from ever being shaken? And there is. It's right here in Psalm 112. The Bible says that the way that you give, both generously and lending freely, and by the way you live, by conducting your affairs. Now watch this. It doesn't mean that there will never be a shaking. It just means that you don't have to be shaken. Come on, somebody. Come on, that's good preaching right there. Doesn't mean there won't be a shaking. It just means that if you give generously and you conduct your life with great affairs, with justice and discretion and character and integrity, you don't ever have to be shaken in a world that is always under great trial and turmoil. And watch how this final verse plays out here. And tell me this isn't just such a beautiful legacy verse. A righteous person will be remembered forever. Let's read this highlighted yellow verse on three. You ready? One, two, three. A righteous person will be remembered forever. So we're talking about legacy today. Here's the theme verse, and I want you to see this. Legacy is where my life lives on. Where my life lives on. Like a rock that you would skip across a lake or a creek or a river, the ripple effect that that rock would create on top of the water, there is a ripple effect to your life. And the legacy life that you're, you're living is where your life is going to live on. And there's two ways that we do that. And we saw this in Psalm 112. It's by the way that we give. So giving to something that will outlive me. Now I want you to know that this is far more than just giving financially. That's a part of giving to something that will outlive me. But you can give of your time, you can give of your talents, you can give of your, your treasure, you can give of your ideas, you can give of your efforts, you can give of your skills, right? So giving to something that will outlive me. So, so what are some things in your life that are going to outlive you? Well, hopefully that would be your children and your grandchildren. But what would be something that would even outlive them? It's the church. The church that... Christ loved so much that he gave himself up for it, that he died for the church. It's the church, the body of Christ, that the Bible says that is built on the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can I get an amen? Come on. Giving to something that is far bigger than us and that will outlive us, right? 
So first part of Psalm 112 talked about the responsibility of giving, but then also the responsibility of living. Living so that my life outlives me. Proverbs talks about how without vision people perish. And I see this happen all the time where people are so overwhelmed with their problems, the problems of life. So if you want to overcome your problems, you have to live for something greater than your problems. Amen? So live your life in such a way that it's going to outlive you, that, that you're not defined by your challenges, you're not defined by your circumstances, but you're giving and you're living where your life will live on. Write this down. Remember, our purpose is not to live here on earth forever. That's not the goal. You can live 80, 90, 100 years, and that would be defined as a long life, right? But the purpose is, the goal is not to live on this earth forever. Our purpose, though, is to leave behind something that does. And legacy is going to be left. It will be left either by design, with intentionality, or by default. But every single one of us, we are going to, to leave a legacy, right? And that is our purpose, is to leave behind something that will remain, that can be picked up from generation to generation. And I like to look at my role as your shepherd, if you will, your, your spiritual leader. And that's a big responsibility. It's a weighty responsibility. But my, my job can be broken down in, in two parts, part one, part two. So part one of my job is to equip you to live life here on earth. And I think that's a part of my calling, a part of my responsibility. So I'll always try to give you practical ways that you can live healthy and successfully here on this earth, whether that's through reconciling relationships in your family and having a healthy marriage or overcoming financial challenges and getting out of debt, or whether that's literally having a physical health and teaching you and encouraging you how to be healthy in mind, body, and soul. Like, you, you've got time here on earth, right? How many of you know you're alive? You're not dead yet. Come on, somebody, right? So you're alive. So part of my job as your shepherd is I want to equip you to live life here on earth. But the second part of my job, which is even more important than equipping you to live on earth, is to prepare you for eternity, to prepare you for the afterlife. There is a life after this life. Amen? So my job as your shepherd is to prepare you for what is to come. And there is coming a day. I don't want this to be something that stirs fear in your mind or your heart. I'm not trying to play off of your emotions or be hyper-spiritual. I just want to be honest. There is going to come a day where every single one of us, under the sound of my voice, we breathe our last breath and we exit this world in the physical. It's going to happen. I don't know when that's going to happen. If you want to get on Google, Google's probably got an answer of when that's going to happen for you. But I don't know when that day's going to happen. That's why you should live every day with intentionality and on purpose. Come on, because you never know when that day is going to come. But for every single one of us, there is going to come a day where we stand before God. And when we stand before God, there is going to be a two-question test on that day. A two-question test. Now, let's talk about tests for a moment. Because when I was in high school... I didn't do that well on tests. Will anybody testify to that? Come on, right? Like, I didn't test well. Now, I could give presentations well, but that's not typically how, you know, the teacher would test. Like, you would get some type of, of you know, uh, sheet, and you would be responsible. Like, they made you study. I never understood that part. Like, you had to study. And then, you know, if I walked in and there was an exam and it was multiple choice, come on, somebody. Thank God for multiple choice. And I always felt very confident about my multiple choice options or answers until I saw D, all the above, or none of the above. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And that was like, oh, good Lord. I mean, I don't know. So I just Christmas treed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I would say Christmas tree, the multiple choice test. And so I didn't do well in high school, you know. Some of my friends, they graduated magna cum laude and summa cum laude. I graduated, thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody. Like, That's just me. Barely making it, started college on academic probation, you know. So I didn't test well, and maybe you're not a great test taker. So again, my job as your shepherd is, I got to get you ready for this two-question test. Because we will all stand before God. 
and there will be these questions. And the first question that on the day that you leave this world, right? The Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So the day that you're looking the almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent God face to face, the very first question is this. Did you know and accept my son Jesus? That's the question. Did you know Jesus? And did you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I want you to go to the book of Revelation for a moment. Now, they don't have time to really fully break down the book of Revelation, but, but John is the author of the book of Revelation, and God gives John a glimpse from a heavenly perspective about the kingdom of God, the, heaven, the heavens above. He pulls back the curtain and he gives John a revelation of heaven. And I want you to see Revelation 20 here, centering it around, did you know and accept my son Jesus? Watch what John writes, beginning in verse number 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. Watch verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and there were books that were opened. And watch, watch the second half of verse number 12. And yet there was another book, which is called the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now watch this. There's coming a day when we stand before God, when we leave this world, this physical world, we're standing before God and we will be held accountable for every action, word, and deed. And everything that you and I do is recorded in the books. Now for JC, it's books plural. Come on somebody, a lot of things that I have done, good or bad, they're recorded in this book. And this whole moment is called the great white throne judgment. And it's all centered around, did you know and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Now, there's only one way to get your name written in the book of life. Only one way. Here's the ways that you will never be able to get your name written in the book of life. Uh, it doesn't matter if you think you're a good person. You can't, you can't go to church enough. You can't say enough Hail Marys. You can't just wear the rosary and get into heaven. You, you can't just put a Christian fish on the bumper of your car and think, well, here we go, or wear a, a, a gold cross. It's not about how much money you give or, or how much, how much uh, volunteer hours you serve. None of those ways are going to get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The only way that you get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life is to repent of your sin, confess Jesus Christ as Lord, ask Him into your heart, turn from your old ways. Is anybody going to help me preach? Come on. And begin a new life in Christ Jesus. The only way that you get your name written in that book is to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't matter if you come from a heritage or a history of generations of Christians. You must repent and you must invite God into your life and into your heart. Paul told the church at Ephesus, it is by grace through faith and this is not of yourselves. It is a free gift of God. Anybody grateful for the gift of God called salvation, right? The moment that you stand before God at this great white throne judgment, there is no more grace. There is no more mercy. There are no second chances. Some of you are, are masters at backing your way out of sticky situations. In that moment, when you've breathed your last breath, your eternal fate has been forever sealed. And in that moment, watch this. The Bible says in Matthew 7 that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Watch this. Come on, stay with me. 
Many will say to me, on what day? The day of judgment. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, did we not drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And watch, he says, and then I will tell them plainly, depart from me, because I never even knew you. Away from me, you evildoers, you workers of iniquity. Some people would say, how could a loving God send someone to hell? Let me tell you, God doesn't send anyone to hell. The people that spend eternity in hell, they choose their eternal fate. God made a way. There must be payment for our sin. And so God sent his son Jesus. And the payment was his spotless blood shed on the cross at Calvary. God made a way for you to get out of hell. So the only people that end up in hell are those that refuse Christ and reject his love, reject his grace, reject his mercy. I know this may be old school preaching, but we need it today. Listen to me. The only way to get your name written in that book is to say, God, forgive me of all of my wrong and make me a new person. So on that first question of this whole exam, the question is, did you know and accept my son Jesus? Watch this. And the right answer, and there is a wrong answer, the right answer is, I knew him personally. I knew him personally. Matthew 7, where... The scripture says, depart from me, for I never knew you. This thought here of knowing him personally comes from the Greek word gnosis. And gnosis means knowledge, but it doesn't mean head knowledge or intellect. It means heart knowledge. When I was a youth pastor all those years ago, before I had gray hair in my beard, come on somebody, I would always tell our students, always tell our teenagers, you are only one foot from heaven or hell, from here to here, one foot. Do you know him personally? Do you know Jesus intimately? Have you confessed your sins, turned from your wicked ways? And if the answer is yes, I know him personally, then here is the good news. Your name is written in that book of life. Come on and give Jesus thanks for grace, mercy, and salvation. Come on, let's clap like we mean it. Come on. If your name is not written in that book, I don't ever want you to say, well, you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me so. No, listen to me. As a billboard flashing on the side of the road, if you don't know Jesus personally, hell is your destination. But there is a better way through a man named Jesus that will not only let you live a life of abundance here on this earth, but you can live in heaven with him. Come on, church. And on that day, God, God forbid, on that day, as they go through that book and they're looking for your name or looking for my name, it can't be found. God forbid you hear the words, depart from me. You evildoer. Now, if your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, test over. You don't even make it to the second question. That's it. But if your name is found in the Book of Life, then you go to the second question of the two-question test. Everybody good today? Come on, are you good? So the first question is, do you know and accept my son Jesus? If the answer is no, the test is over, and you spend eternity separated from God. Eternal darkness. If the answer is yes, I knew him personally, then you move to a second question. And the second question is this, and this is the, the theme of legacy. The question is, now what did you do with all that I gave you? How did you steward God's favor on your life? Now this is going to mess with some of your theology here, but I'm going to teach you something just for a moment. Most Christians and most people don't even realize that there are actually two judgments. There is the great white throne judgment. That judgment is a heaven and hell judgment. The purpose of that judgment is to determine if your name is written in the book. 
If your name is written in the book, then you move to a second judgment, and that judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. And here, the question is, what did you do with everything I gave you? So while you were living that life down there on earth, how did you steward the blessings of God? Look at what Paul told the church at Corinth here in chapter number 5. Watch this. He says, for we must what? Appear before the what? Right. Now watch this. The word all, it don't mean all. The word all here means those who have accepted Jesus because Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. So all are all of the people whose names would be in the book of life. Does that make sense? So if your name gets written in the book of life, then every single one of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? Why, was, why? why is it that we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ? Watch this. So that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page here before I give you the whole lesson. Watch. Works cannot save you. Good deeds cannot save you. Only the blood of Jesus can save you. Only grace through faith. Nothing you can do can ever save you. That's the great white throne. Judgment is your name in the book. But then when you move to the judgment seat of Christ, every work that you did on this earth, there has the potential to be an eternal reward attached to the life that you live. Come on, somebody. Now, I know some of you think that heaven, like, you know, when we get to heaven and eternity just goes on and on and on, that we will just float around like some cosmic being. You know, we're just floating around. And when we get to heaven, we're all going to cry, oh, we're unworthy, so unworthy. I'm not worthy. Now, listen to me. That's the right heart because we ain't worthy. But heaven will be a place of joy. Heaven will be a place of hope. And watch this. In heaven, there will be rewards. Come on, somebody. And the rewards will be based off of what did you do with what God gave you while you were alive on this earth. Look at what Paul told Timothy in his writing, 2 Timothy here. Watch this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's coming near the end of his life. And he's realizing that he's about to transition or expire from this earthly life to his e eternal life. And then watch what he says in verse 8. He says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. So P Paul knows that because of the conversion of his life and his commitment, he went from killing Christians to preaching Christ crucified. And Paul says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now as I transition, there is going to be for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will what? Come on, shout it on three. One, two, three. There's awards coming. There's awards coming. Watch what happens in Matthew 16, 27. Watch. I just want to prove this to you so you don't think I'm making this up. For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will every single person according to what that person has done. If you read the entire Bible from cover to cover, 66 books, Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, the very last chapter in the book of Revelation is Revelation chapter 22. The final few words here in the entire Bible, watch. And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. And I will reward each person according to his work. The great white throne judgment. Do you know Jesus personally as Lord and Savior? And if you do, then the question will be asked, now what did you do with all of the blessings 
that I gave you. Can I tell you that in spite of the challenges of your life and my life, God has been really good to us. If you live in the United States of America, and I know that we find ourselves on different spectrum of, uh, you know, the socioeconomic spectrum, but if you live in the U.S. of A., you are rich. You are blessed. Come on, somebody. If you've got a, a home to live in, you've got a car to drive, if you're going to raise your hand if you plan on eating lunch today. Come on, somebody. Some of you are like, well, I'll just fast now. I'll just go fast. No, no, no. If you're going to eat some food today, come on. We are rich and we are blessed beyond measure. And now God is going to ask you the second question here. What did you do with what I gave you? And the right answer is this. I gave my life away. I gave my life away. One goal with one desire to see people come to know Jesus. I gave my life away so that I could be in the perfect will of God. You know, one of the challenges with our country is, is that we're very self-centered. We're very selfish. And this may be more comical than I anticipated to be. But we live in a culture of social media, social me-dia. Because we want people to know, well, this is the house I live in, the car I drive, and what I'm eating for lunch. I don't care what you had for lunch. We buy iPads and iPhones, right? Because it's all about us. We care more about the external than we care about the internal, and yet we wonder why we don't see miracle signs and wonders. Because we've made it all about us instead of it being all about him. Come on now. And instead of giving our life away, we don't have that mentality. It's not about what I can give away. No, in our culture, in our society, it's about how much can I get. I want, I need, I have to have. I don't know how much articles or news stories you read about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit across the globe. But can I tell you, in spite of the crazy politics of America, there's other nations and other countries outside of the U.S. of, of A, and God is moving. Millions of Muslims are coming to know Jesus Christ. God is moving in Haiti and parts of Europe and the underground church in China. And what is it that's leading to those moments of revival? I think that the church the ecclesia, the gathering, the body of people are recognizing that this life is not about me. It's about Christ. And it's about what I leave behind so that others can pick up the mantle and, and preach Jesus until Jesus returns. Watch. The right answer is I gave my life away. I'm going to pause here. Let's call it intermission. A lot of times we'll wait till the end of the gathering to ask people, do you know Jesus? But I'm going to pause here. And I'm going to ask you this question with every head bowed and every eye closed. Come on, Germantown and in this room. Do you know Jesus personally? Is your name written in that book? If it's not, don't wait. I don't know when your day of judgment will be. I don't know when you'll breathe your last breath. But what I do know is you've got a moment here, right now, to give your heart to God, to give your life to Christ. So I'm counting to three, and hands go up. If you need Jesus in your heart, nobody's looking but me and our campus pastors. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, hands. Thank you. 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 Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Hold them up for a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Come on. Praying saints, begin to pray. Come on now. Come on. I'm putting my hope and my confidence in God. Come on. Hands all over this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the hand going up is a sign of surrender. And we pray this prayer. God, come into our life. Make us a new person. Forgive us of our sins. Wash us clean, pure as snow. Give us new life and new joy and new hope. Put our name in the Lamb's book of life. But when we leave here, may we walk out with a greater desire to live for you and not for ourselves. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
And the whole church erupted and said amen. Come on, church. Yeah. Come on, all of heaven is rejoicing. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. To God be the glory. Now, what are you going to do with everything that God's given you? There is a beautiful verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Watch this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And watch this. And he has also set eternity in the human heart. This is why we consider the afterlife so much. It's why we think about forever. It's why we often daydream about what life after this life will be like because God put that curiosity within you. When God knit you together, when God created man and woman, he put within them this curiosity for eternity in their heart. And so now, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, now you have to live your life. Listen to me, watch this for the next few minutes here. Not recklessly, not foolishly, but intentionally. God has you alive on purpose and for purpose. If God didn't have purpose for your life, listen to me, you wouldn't still be here. But God woke you up today, put you in your right mind, gave you the blessings of God for a purpose. And what? What if you leverage that with great intentionality? What if you said, okay, God, as I... As I take inventory of my life, as I survey my life, and I see everything that you have, I want to live with intentionality. Let me give you three ways to live your life intentionally. The first one is this. I will intentionally give what I have. Can I tell you this goes far beyond money? We'll talk a little bit about money, but are you willing to give whatever it is that you have? to make Jesus famous, to spread the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. That's the Great Commission, by the way. And if you're wondering if I feel convicted preaching this message, absolutely. I will intentionally give what I have. Can I tell you this? I'm not asking and God's not asking for you to give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have, but are you willing to give what you do have? 2 Corinthians 9 says it like this. Watch. You will be made rich in every way. Now, you may not think that you're rich, but you are rich. Why does God make you rich? So that you can be generous on every occasion. I told you this some weeks ago, that anytime I tell a story of my family, we've come up with this deal, or I have to pay them $5 to tell the story because they feel like I should pay for the content. Come on now. So, Lakeland, I owe you 5 bucks. I've been talking to Lakeland a lot lately as he's moved into middle school and eventually will get into high school about stewarding uh, finances, the responsibility of not, of not being a slave to the lender. Don't ever get in, in debt. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever mismanage credit cards. Come on, somebody, right? Like always tithe and put God first. And I said, I said if you'll just listen to the advice I'm going to give you, I said, Lakeland, one day you will be rich. And his little 11-year-old eyes lit up. And I said, rich, like cha-ching, rich. And I told him, I said, I've got, I've got a big life insurance policy out on me. And when I die, cha-ching, rich. <laughs> to which he said, remind me again how old you are, Dad. You know. <laughs> and I said, but here's the thing. God doesn't want you to be rich so that you can just hoard all of the luxuries of life. God's not against you having nice things, but God wants to make you rich in every way so that you can be what? Generous on every occasion. And watch what happens. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me show you two practical ways that you can be intentional and give what you have. Are you ready? You got a few minutes? The first way is this. I want you to climb the giving ladder. 
They're going to make this large on the screen here so that you can see it more clearly and so that online in Germantown can see this as well. They'll, they'll blow it up here. I want you to climb the giving ladder. Now, before you start tuning me out here, I want you to know that this has nothing to do with us wanting your money. I, we don't ever want anything from you. We just believe that God has something for you. Can I get an amen? As a matter of fact, I'm going I'm to prove that to you. If you'll go online, mygochurch.com, and you want to start giving, you'll see a 90-day tithe challenge. If you tithe for 90 days and God doesn't bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine, contact the church office. I'll give you your money back. No questions asked. I've just become, Go Church has just become a short-term saving plan for three months for you. Come on now. It's not about us wanting something from you. It's about God having something for you. And, and you've, got to, you've got to change your perspective here if you're committed to living a legacy life. So if you've never given for the first time, that's the first rung. For the first time, this is the one area, money's the one area where God says, try me, test me. I double dog dare you. Maybe you give occasionally, but you want to move to intentional giving. The Bible calls a truth tithe 10% of your income. Maybe you can't give 10%, but what percentage can you give? Can you start with 1% or 2% or 3%? Just try God. See what God does, okay? I'll prove you in just a moment. I'll prove to you in just a moment that this really does work. Watch. Then you want to move to tithing where you consistently give 10% of your income to God through your local church. And then I pray that every single one of us get to experience the highest rung on this ladder, which is extravagant giving. In the name of Jesus, I pray that God bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Not so that you could be rich to tell everybody that you're rich, but that so you could be rich to give it away. Come on now. To bless people in need, to take care of widows and orphans, and to partner with the church and nonprofits to advance the kingdom of God. And watch this. I'm going to ask Germantown and in this room, for those of you that are faithful in your giving, if you can testify that you cannot outgive God and that this isn't a hoax, and I'm not up here making this up, for those of you that have tried God in the area of giving and he has blessed you and blown your mind, come on, will you give God praise? Listen to this. Watch. Listen. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, this works. It works. I'll give what I have to you intentionally. Listen, I know that some of you come from churches or you've got stereotypes of, of, of pastors that mismanage money, and I'm sorry. That's not right. You don't need to pay for holy water from Jerusalem. That's a scam. I said it. Somebody needed to say it. Now Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. You ain't got to pay for that. And you don't, have to pay, you don't have to pay for this. Although sometimes my preaching is so good, I wish you would pay. <laughs> the admission is free. But if you want to come into alignment with God's favor, try God. And this may sound hard, maybe because it is. But if your way ain't working, try a new way. Try a different way. There is the way of the kingdom. And kingdom, watch this, God's kingdom economy works all day Every day. Come on and give Jesus some praise. First time, occasional, intentional tithing, extravagant. Just, just try it. Climb the ladder, baby. Just try it. Another way you can give what you have away intentionally. Every year, every year, we take up a legacy offering. It's the only special offering that we take at Go Church. One time a year. And this year, it always happens on the first Sunday in December. This year just ha happens to be December the 5th. We're going to take up one special offering. Everybody lean in for a moment. I'm almost done. Watch. And I'm asking you to begin to pray right now. you got four weeks to pray and say, God, what will you have me give? I'm not going to give you an amount. I'm not going to beat you over the head with reminders. I'll, I'll bring the updates each week leading up to Legacy Sunday. All I'm asking is for you to pray and to participate. Watch. 
What's so unique about the legacy offering? If, if you've never heard of the legacy offering before, or maybe you're new to Go Church, here's what's so unique about the legacy offering. We're asking for 100% of you to participate. Everybody doing something from the adults to the youth to your children. Everybody bringing a special gift offering on that day. 100% of you to give, and here's why. Because we're giving 100% of it away. Come on, church. All of it. Every penny, every nickel, every dime, we give it all away. Last year, you took up the, the largest legacy offering in the history of our church. And this year, in this calendar year, we've worked with north of 50 nonprofits around the globe giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars to make Jesus famous and to rescue women from human sex trafficking, to help men recover from drug and alcohol addiction like our brothers from A Better Way Ministry. Guys, I'm so stinking proud of you. Come on, sitting back here in the back. Come on, guys. I know you can't see them on camera. Come on, church family, encourage them. We're proud of you. We invest into you. We believe in you. You're not a project to us, you're family to us. Keep going, come on, keep going. Your offering helps the next generation. Your offering helps support local missions, national missions, world missions, and special projects around this church. You guys are making a tremendous difference. So. Will you give intentionally? Come on, try climbing that giving ladder. Try, try God through the legacy offering and watch God blow your mind. Two more thoughts here. I will intentionally serve others. You've got gifts, you've got talents, you're unique. We're better together. Matthew says it this way, watch. Whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And watch the example here in verse 28. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Let me tell you this. Write this down. It's not on the fancy TV. But saved people serve people. That's a legacy life. Will you be selfish or will you be serving? Right? God's given you talents and abilities. And I'm going to be extra over the next few months about challenging you to two things. One, you got, you got to join the GOAT team. You got to get on a GOAT team. These are our amazing volunteers. And I just want you to know that right now, our current roster of active volunteers is 477 people. Come on, somebody. They work in the parking lots, from parking lot to production. From Jesus, touch them and go, kids, right now. Come on, everybody, stretch your hands towards go, kids. Bless all them workers, wiping bottoms and cleaning noses. Come on now. From production to parking lot to kids to youth to worship, God has a place for you on this go team. you got to get on a team and then get in the game. Get in the game. As we close out this year, we go into a new year, will you be intentional with serving others? Listen, you're the missing piece to that next level for the ministry of Go Church, God's church. Watch, every month we've got service projects. Every month we have a serve days. You can go on the website at whatever campus and see what project is happening that month. Serve, jump in on the team. Take your kids to be a part. Get their eyes off of, off of uh, the internet, come on, off of social media out of video games, get their eyes off of the iPhone and get their eyes on real need, on broken humanity. It'll do your family good. It'll do your marriage good. It'll do your children good. So are you going to serve intentionally? I'm trying to give you practical ways here. And then the third one is this. I will intentionally share Christ. We're going to be borderline obnoxious going into this new year about equipping you to evangelize the gospel to share your testimony, to share your faith, and to invite friends. Come on now. We went to the old, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord led us to dinner the other night at the Waffle House. Come on, somebody. The Waffle House. You know God's there. And in the middle of eating a waffle and some hash browns, the beautiful uh, waitress came up to the table, began to share her testimony because we asked a simple question. 
And I told her about our family and who we are and that we're believers. She had been homeless for months, just relocated to the south side of Atlanta. And I said, well, have you found a home church yet? And she said, no, I've not found a home church. And I said, well, there ain't no church like Go Church. Come on, somebody. And I told her, I said, I'm going to show back up to the Waffle House in a few weeks because our church is giving out turkeys to our community. And I'm going to hand deliver you one, Shanae. I'm coming back to give you that frozen turkey. A simple conversation led to an individual having hope in Jesus Christ. Come on. What, what does this matter? Why do we do this? Watch 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are the ambassadors of Christ. God is making his appeal through who? You. Through you. It's not just the, the preacher's job. It's your job. Luke 14, 23, somebody shout go. Somebody ought to name a church, go church. Go out into the country. Urge anyone you find to come in so that what? My house will be full. Jesus said, this is one of the perspectives of the Great Commission. Jesus said to his followers, shout it again, one, two, three, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. I will intentionally give what I have. I will intentionally serve others. I will intentionally share Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the legacy life right there. Why does it all matter? Such a great question. A couple of verses and I'll pray for you. Why does it all matter? 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Come on which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. One more verse, and watch this. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly theirs. I always close with a question, and here it is. Do you realize? Do you know that there is so much more to this life than this life? There's more. I hope there's more. And good news there is. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. Seal this word. Touch hearts of those listening. Convict us with a deeper conviction to follow you, Jesus, to live our life for you. Thank you for the dozens of hands raised saying yes to you. May they take their next step in you, God. Convict our hearts to intentionally give what I have intentionally serve other people and to intentionally share Christ if you can use anything Lord you can use me that's my prayer and so Lord as we close from this gathering and we move to what's next again seal this word and may it change us from the inside out in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and the whole church said Amen and amen. Come on and give Jesus one more praise.